Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. So welcome in, everybody. Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me, my fellow football priest. You know him. You love him. Zach Kelberman. Zach, here we are in the aftermath of what was the Broncos' seventh loss of the season that all but sealed their fate as far as this being the sixth straight year Sands playoffs. We got a little update on Teddy Bridgewater. He has been discharged after staying the night in the hospital. He is going to be in concussion protocol. Vic Fangio said today, highly unlikely, he's going to play this week. So, are you ready for a full week of practice with the ones version of Drew Locke? And is that going to make amount to a hill of beans a difference? Well, I'm ready for it. I don't know if the anti-Drew Locke people are ready for that. But, uh, yeah, he's going to get to start, it looks like, in week 16 against the Raiders and Locke's first start of the season. I don't think it matters much anymore. And it's ironic that he would get a start when the playoffs are no longer really an option for Denver. But... That's the way the game goes. I'm happy Teddy's okay, first and foremost. It was a scary-looking incident. It could have been a lot worse. And uh, fortunately, it's just a concussion, and I say just in quotations. But I'm ready for it. Whatever Drew wants to do, he's going to do. If he wants to be turnover-prone, he can be turnover-prone. If he wants to put some good tape out there, he'll do that. We just do not know. He's as inconsistent as the Broncos are. Let me ask you this. In your estimation, now, I'm not. what I'm about to ask you is not asked in the spirit of any viable expect reasonable expectation that it's going to happen so just keep that in mind but if drew Locke were in these let's just say drew comes out and balls out against the raiders plays well broncos cruise to a victory move up maybe a little bit in the rankings and he ends up the broncos going you know what we'll just finish off with drew we can't in good conscience keep rolling teddy out there after two concussions and how banged up he's been if Drew Locke finishes the season on a high note and were to lead the Broncos to a very unlikely and highly improbable postseason berth, what would happen to Drew? What would happen to the quarterback position 2022? Listen up, Broncos country. Tick Pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Tick Pick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site tick pick will give you 110 percent of the difference in the purchase price that's right guys when we were searching for tickets for the mhh meet and greet for week three at home broncos versus jets tick pick had us locked down so visit tickpick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save ten dollars on your first order 
of Broncos tickets. Man, you woke up and chose violence today, huh, Chad? I was thinking to myself, what if the Broncos would have won the game yesterday on the strength of Drew Locke? He was mounting a comeback. The offense finally got going when he came in the game. He had that nice, I guess, back shoulder touchdown at Tim Patrick. I don't know. They'd have a dilemma on their hands, but... You have to play like the the nine degrees of separation game. If they make the playoffs, that would mean that Vic Fangio is coming back. And we know that Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer don't like Drew Locke. So I think he would kind of use Locke, Fangio, to get to the playoffs and then still dump him next year. I don't think there'd be a full-out controversy. I think there's a new starting quarterback in Denver in 2022, one way or the other. I think at worst you get a new, a better, maybe what better than what you could get today in a trade for Drew. Get him out of here. That's probably what's best for him, probably what's best for the team. Max Power across the pond, jumping in early with a super chat. Thank you, Max. He says, as you guys know, I'm not a Drew Locke fan, but it is a good opportunity to see him with a week of practice plus the weapons and see what he does with the opportunity. That's right. I mean, one thing we learned, and again, thank you, Max, whoops, um, is since Teddy has been the guy, uh, the Broncos – very similarly to when Peyton was here. When you have like a true bona fide number one, um, they get the not just the lion's share of the reps. I mean, they're getting nine in the high 90th percentile of the first team reps. And so that's obviously not very conducive for a still developing, still kind of raw, kind of loosey-goosey Drew Lockzack. But this week he's going to get all the reps. So it will be interesting to see if it makes much of a difference. Vic Fangio was complimentary of – Drew in that he believes that it will and that Drew will be more accurate and that he'll be have more rhythm and have more connection with his weapons, but only time will tell. It's not going to matter, though, unless you call the plays that are conducive to his arm talent like they did on the Tim Patrick play. And it's why it was so maddening, that RPO fumble. Why even call it there if the pass game was working? If anything, play action would have done uh, a lot of damage. But, you know, getting a full week of reps, being the understood starter for one week, there's no more excuses for Drew Locke. Playing a Vegas defense that's beatable. They're not exactly world beaters. They are susceptible. So he can make some hay. I hope, if anything, it unleashes Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Sutton hasn't topped 40 yards receiving since Halloween. Jerry Judy hasn't scored the entire year. I mean, these are a first-round draft pick and a highly paid wide receiver, and they're being wasted in a Teddy Bridgewater, Pat Shermer offense. So win or lose, I just want the talent to blossom with a stronger arm quarterback under center. But conversely, I don't want that quarterback to give the ball away because it'll be a moot point. The Raiders emerged victorious over the Browns with the third-string quarterback today by the skin of their their teeth. Clayto Tornado, what's going on, buddy? Thank you. He goes, uh, can I just say that no other podcast comes even close? You guys are truly top-notch, very low-key, but reactionary when necessary. Also, don't know much about this Manning news. Care to fill me in? Clayto, that's a very kind and generous um, super chat, my friend. You know, the gut reaction is we title it that for a reason. When we come to you guys live after a game or after a big tent pole event, because in the off season we do gut reaction episodes like after the draft or after a big free agent signing or something like that or a big move, coaching hire, whatever, the, the idea is to be reactionary. The idea is to kind of let the emotions rise to the surface and kind of ride with wherever that takes us. And then the next day we come back, and I think more often than not, whatever our takes were while the uh, emotions were flying high, tend to be the same takes we have during the aftermath, right? It's just maybe a little bit more toned down. Uh, but here's here's what uh, the Peyton Manning news is, all right? First off, we heard earlier this year, Zach, that Peyton Manning was exploring 
the possibility with different uh, ownership groups as a minority state guy of trying to put together the scratch to buy the Broncos, which is going to amount to somewhere around three billion bucks. All right. Well, Jason LaConfora of CBS Sports over the weekend kicked and stoked that bee's nest again by claiming that Peyton Manning, I mean, I, I'll pull up the article and I can quote what LaConfora said, but it's to a point now, Zach, where I feel like there's a little fire uh, at the base of that smoke. Now, whether or not Peyton Manning ultimately succeeds in pulling together the right ownership group that can qualify to purchase this team. I would imagine the ostensible objective here of attaching Peyton Manning as a minority owner wouldn't just be the scratch because it's probably a relative pittance compared to what the other people in the ownership group are going to have to bring to the table. It's that Peyton's going to be the point man, right? Peyton's going to be the face of the, of the ownership group kind of running things as the de facto owner. Well, I'd feel better about it if it didn't come from Lock and Fora, who doesn't have the best track record, you know, breaking NFL news. If it came from Schefter, Rappaport, Pelissero, et cetera, I'd feel better about it. But there is always some smoke there when it comes to Peyton. And we've been saying for a while now, if he's going to come back to the NFL in any capacity, it's not going to be as a head coach, offensive coordinator, general manager. It's going to be as an owner or bust. Why would he not? He has more money than God. Not enough to buy the Broncos outright, but enough uh, to sustain an ownership group, like you said. So I would like it, obviously, but I don't know that it's feasible when someone like Bezos, for example, could step in and just pay cash for it in his couch cushion, or someone like uh, Robert Smith, the Denver executive billionaire. I would love Peyton Manning to be involved, but we have to see, as you say, how it plays out in the spring. We still have some time left to go before this gets settled. Hey, Peyton Manning rolled into town and, and saved the Broncos from the doldrums once before. John Elway did it twice. Maybe Peyton will get to do it twice as well. But here's actually what Lockenfor reported. Quote, sources said former Broncos star quarterback Peyton Manning, who is very interested in a potential ownership piece in the franchise and a possible role in serving in a management position as well. That's key. Has already had discussions with several of the groups expected to be favorites to land the team and his strong ties to Denver, where his family has lived since his playing days, and universal respect throughout the football world would be a boon to any potential ownership group aligned with him. Close quote. Zach, uh, information aside, this dude needs an editor. Yeah, seriously. That was, uh, that's one sentence, dude. Yeah. Come on, Jason. Who, CBS Sports, where's your editor? But I digress. He doesn't just want to be a potential owner or a minority stake owner, Zach. He wants a management position. Well, yeah, there's the run-on aspect too, but I was noticing how many times does he mention potential or possible in that one little graph. So it's all a bunch of conjecture as far as I'm concerned until we hear otherwise, until we hear something more concrete. I see potential possible, potential. Yep, three, three Ps, right? Potential Two potentials, one possible. I mean, it's easy to say that, and you kind of cover yourself by saying, oh, it could happen, but it's not a sure thing. I'm not going out on too much of a limb. But like you said, there's been some smoke here, and generally where there's smoke, there's fire in the NFL. So we'll see. Dave, one of our great community mavens in the house. Good to see you, buddy. He says the quarterbacks both have problems. Teddy's are his physical limitations. Drew's are between the years. My choice is Drew. Yeah, at this stage, it's swing for the fences. You know, really, it's swing for the fences. And if you are going to swing for the fences, Drew's the guy who gives you the best chance to do that. Uh, Zach, real quick here. I just want to read this, then we'll grab Blue Jay. On that same topic of the Broncos, um, Lock and Fora reported, 
you know, this was before the Broncos lost to the Bengals, but only just before. He reported as far as could George Payton, the GM, make a change at coach, fired Vic Fangio early, whatever. Quote, the timing of this potential sale coming could also have an impact on football operations, as often owners are keen to begin putting their own people in place on the business side and in football operations. If the Broncos are under new ownership, then a change is still possible in March. But the team has presently, as presently constructed, will review any coaching changes necessary immediately after the season. Now, close quote. This is, I could have written this and pretended like this right. was a scoop, right? Like there's, there's nothing here I'm being told, uh, source, anything. But it is interesting to hear that, you know, um, I agree that George Payton's not firing anybody until at the soonest Black Monday. Could possible potential i mean it's just all throwing it up in the air and seeing what sticks against the wall so uh, he's putting himself out there locking for but again you have to remember his track record when breaking these these news pieces he's not exactly a uh i don't know overly credible source in the nfl realm by the way todd osendorf congrats on your promotion big dog uh, here's Blue Jay, a newer name that I don't recognize in the in the super chat. So welcome and thank you. Connect with us on Twitter, Blue Jay. He says, been watching the live stream recordings and reading MHH articles for two years. About time I show some support. Keep up the good work. Heck yeah, big dog. Appreciate that, Blue Jay. Thank you. That means a lot to us. Hope you know that. Appreciate you. Um, Steve Lazuski in the house with some stars. You the man, brother. Appreciate that. Uh, on that topic, you know what I just realized, Zach? Uh, we can grab another comment or chat here. And while I, while we do, we haven't done an update on where the stars contest is for a couple of days. Doug Raquel says, come back, Peyton. Yeah. Yeah. People are wondering what is the title of where's Peyton involved in this? It's nothing to do with Peyton Drew. It's nothing to do with Peyton being a coach. It has to do with Peyton potentially three, uh, two potentialies and a possibly uh, being involved in an ownership buy. I'm looking here, and bear with me one second. Come on, Internet. There we go. Here's where we stand. Let me blow this up so y'all can see it. Okay. Where are we, Zach? We're at 1220, so we've got 11 days to go, basically. And on our Facebook goal, of course, we're trying to reach 250,000 stars in the month of December. When we do, we're going to raffle off a Broncos jersey of the winners choosing and the only people in the running for that raffle are the people who uh, contributed to the goal right now we're 50 percent complete all right but we surpassed more than 50 percent of the month so we are still a little bit behind the eight ball but here's who's uh, in the running for the having the most tickets in that hat for the raffle travis weber at the top miguel shane lawrence doug andrew baker michael ronquillo stone Peter and Yvonne in the top 10. So guys, we're at 50%. We want to raffle off that Jersey, but we're, we're, uh, we're a little lopsided right now. We got a little bit of ground to make up. Mike Reno says Judy is nothing but a decoy under Pat Shermer. So very sad. Let's fake the jet sweep to Judy over and over, but never let him run it. Yeah. He was uh, shut out yesterday, targeted four times, Zach. And then did you see the Twitter spat between Judy and Eli Apple today? Well, Eli won that one. He had a better game than Judy had a better game. So, you know, you got to talk your crap when you can talk it. But it's a shame that they don't even hand the ball off to Jerry Judy. Again, you mentioned the fake sweep there, jet sweep, Mike, and you're absolutely right. He's a decoy, nothing more. A first-round 
high upside, all the talent in the world decoy in this offense. An offense that wastes, by the way, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Noah Fan, et cetera, et cetera. I don't buy the rumors that he's trade bait or a potential throw into an Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson trade, for example. Just get him the ball. Get him the freaking ball. Let him make some plays. He should never have a game where he's zero for zero on four targets. No catches, no yards, completely shut out of the offense. That is unacceptable. You have to find a way. I don't care about the quarterback. I don't care about the game situation. Find a way to get the ball in the man's hands. The tweets are gone now. I'm not seeing them for what it's worth. Um, make sure I'm not missing something here because I saw it earlier. Man, I should have screen, gra- uh, screen grabbed those. I'm sure I'll, someone did. I'll give you guys the cliff notes here in a second. Um, the original Dizzy D. That's another newer name. So welcome. Thank you. Appreciate you. Connect on Twitter. I like how Locke tries to stop defenders after a turnover. <laughs> this is what we've been reduced to. <laughs> Our quarterback, when they turn the ball over, he uh, tries to stop the guy with the ball. You know, but yeah, he, he tried, whatever. Drew put on some pounds for what it's worth. Drew Drew got a little thicker in this past offseason. I don't know how much good it did him, but he did. I'm so I'm so over just talking about bad, mediocre quarterback play. I don't at this point, Teddy, Drew, it doesn't really matter. I just like you said, if we're talking about the fact that one quarterback when he turns it over runs down the field and tries to get the ball back. I mean, that's a sorry state of affairs. Swag Nash in the house. Good to see you, my friend. Says, man, I'm pulling for Locke so hard. I wish he'd get out of his own head and just play football. Dude has sick arm talent. Really Brett Favre-like. Uh, go Broncos. Yeah, he does have sick arm talent. And that's one of the things that makes you, you know, it's just such a, I guess it's not a tragedy, but I'll call it a football tragedy is the dude – is legit in terms of the talent. But dude, what do you got between the ears? Like even Brett Favre, you know, kind of the uh, stereotypical uh, redneck type guy when you hear him just talk, especially dating back to his playing days. Like he kind of played into that, kind of lived up to it. But when the chips were down, the bullets were flying, Zach, that dude was as smart and savvy as any guy on the field. And Drew Locke up to this point, you know, hasn't hasn't proved that he has that same kind of Presence of mind, poise, savvy. Although, again, as I mentioned last night, I do think there is a difference between poise and presence of mind. I don't really see Drew back there being skittish and and unpoised per se. It's more of just a lack of kind of perceiving his surroundings, knowing the down and distance situation, just all these depth issues, for lack of a better term, that take place between the years. He just has a hard time, Zach, juggling those um, at, at times. But then he'll make one of those plays with his arm where you're like, Judas Priest, man. If there's a coach out there that could figure out how to reach this guy intellectually, he's got some serious talent. Yeah, the only commonality between Favre and Drew is that they're so inconsistent, or, you know, Favre was. He can follow up a beautiful touchdown pass with the most boneheaded pick you'll ever see. That's exactly what Drew Locke is. He... I saw a comment that's really true. I don't want to take credit for it, but the only reason the Broncos were in the game yesterday for Locke to give it away was because of Locke. He had the touchdown drive, then he marched him back down the field again. They were about to score, not because of the running game per se, but the passing game and Drew Locke making throws that Teddy Bridgewater just can't make. But I see some comparisons. Uh, yeah, go I ahead, flash him. I saw it real quick from Todd here. I don't agree with that either. I mean, no. Sanchez dreams of having the arm that Drew Locke does. But see, that's what he gets reduced to. That's the one association you have with Drew Locke. 
butt fumble or any sort of turnover that Drew Locke commits, fumble, interception. He's known for that type of quarterback. But you're, if you're talking about physical talent, God-gifted ability, it's Drew, you know, greater than Mark any day of the week. You know, if you look back to the Drew Favre thing real quick, uh, and for people that are, you know, eating their hearts out, how dare you compare Drew Locke to Brett Favre? We're talking about their arm, okay, and just like general skill set. Brett Favre, from a scale perspective, like you said, he'd make that jaw-dropping big play, touchdown, whatever. Like, how did he fit that? And then the next series, throw a boneheaded thing. The difference between him and Drew on that front is Favre had a much bigger body of work scale-wise in like, yeah, he'll throw four touchdowns in three of the last four games. And in uh, two or three of those games, he'll been picked off twice or whatever the scale is significantly higher. Like he was a much more prolific producer. Once he got to Green Bay, right? He kind of like Locke, he was a second round pick in Atlanta that didn't jive with Jerry Glanville and wasn't looking good for him until he got dealt. And then the magic man, Scott remembers this. He's from my, he's old, he's old enough like me to remember this. When the when the magic man, uh, Mikowski, Don Mikowski went down, Brett got his, his opportunity. Maybe that's what Drew needs. He needs to go somewhere else, live to fight another day, get better, find the right coach, hopefully, because that's one of the things that saved Brett Favre is he landed with Mike Holmgren. Probably weren't too many other coaches besides Mike Holmgren that could have reached him at the time. Mike Shanahan would have been one that, that would have, but I digress. Uh, Michaela in the house, and then I want to grab a Todd Ostendorf here. Appreciate the Duchess jumping in. She says, Peyton and Elway ownership is intriguing to me. Yeah. You know, how would you feel, Zach, about John Elway as an owner – but knowing that if he had any kind of stake, did you would you really be able to see him stepping away from any kind of meaningful control on the day-to-day? I mean, he did a good job. I think he's done a good job of that so far, like with the whole passing the baton to George Payton. So maybe I shouldn't be quite so skeptical that he could do it. Well, I think, I think there'd be a conflict of interest with him being the former GM and him being the owner now, being the top dog in the building. He would have technically control over whatever GM George Payton otherwise that's underneath him. I don't think it would work out. Peyton Manning as an owner or an ownership group, that's one thing. But Elway and Peyton, first of all, the power struggle there, the ego, too many big names in one ownership group. I feel like it's one or the other. And I don't think Elway wants to do it. I think he genuinely wants to bow out, retire. He's been around the game for how long now? 40 years? More than that? I mean, he's been around the game for 40 years, yeah. I mean. As a player, executive. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think he wants his time off, and honestly, he's deserving of that. I think, you know, it's it's like when we read that book, Elway, A Relentless Life by Jason Cole for uh, Broncos Book Club. You learn that there are certain things that uh, certain guys in his life, certain people that can kind of egg him on to do things that he wouldn't necessarily want to do. And then he looks back on it and he's glad they egged him on. They're, they're glad he's glad he was kind of pushed in a certain direction. Um and yeah, Tim, we'll see if they if the, if Drew can beat the faders. But maybe that's the case. Back to what Todd's asking about Elway here. I just don't see it, bro. I don't think Elway, he said here, um, he's on the way out soon. I think the guy just wants to step off on a good note. He might have retired this year if we'd made the playoffs. He's retiring no matter what, dude. Like his contract is up. I don't know exactly what the date is of the exp- expiration, Zach, of his contract. But suffice to say, this football season is it for John Elway. He's riding off into the sunset, barring uh, some kind of ownership 
stake. And we have heard another report, if you can remember, guys, back in this summer, similar to the Peyton one that Elway's been associated with a potential ownership group that's scraping together the billions that it'll take. Thank you, Tim, for the stars uh, to buy the Denver Broncos. But why would you want to do it if you're John? I mean, think about this. 1983, you become a pro in 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 football, right? And then from 1999 until 2011, you know, so 12 years, you're not in the NFL. But if you know Elway's backstory, Zach, he was not only doing the whole car dealership thing, but he was really intent, really motivated to get into the league on the scouting side, on the personnel side, but he needed some bona fides. He needed some kind of skins to hang on the wall. And so Pat Bowen, one of those guys that could egg him on, one of those guys that could inspire and motivate John, they got in partnership to go do that Arena League deal, the Colorado Crush, and he got to the top of that mountain. So he's been doing the whole football thing at a high level, making millions and millions of dollars for a long time. At a certain point, you would think, Zach, that he's like, okay, Broncos, I've given you my my pound of flesh. I've brought home in one form or another three different world championships. Thanks for everything. It's been real. I'm going to go kick back, you know, uh, see my seven grandkids or whatever it is, my new wife, all these. I mean, he deserves that. It's unfortunate that he's not going to get to go out on a positive note. He's just not going to be able to this time. But how many quarterbacks get that fairy tale? You know, how many executives get that fairy tale? John's literally John and Peyton are the only two guys in the NFL who have been able to do that. Tom Brady has had the chance to do that. We'll see if he actually ends up really uh, getting in one more shot to retire a world champ, but it's rare. You know what? I think he is going out on a positive note. If you look at it one way, he left the franchise in really good hands with George Payton. I think any rational Broncos fan realizes that. The, the future is looking very positive, and the arrow is pointing up under George Payton. A couple other points here. John Elway pretty much is the de facto owner of the Broncos. His name will always be synonymous with Denver and the Broncos organization, even if he owns them technically or not. And another thing, if he wants to get out of the spotlight, I think being part of an ownership group would give him more spotlight than ever before. Because that would mean he's at the forefront of every major decision, hiring, personnel, marketing, advertising, otherwise, as the owner. So I don't think he wants to do that. Like you said, I think he wants to retire and finally enjoy his personal life that he's been putting on the back burner for four decades now. Andrew Baker saying, uh, thank you, by the way, my friend. He says, we just got to enjoy these last three games the best we can. We will all miss Broncos football as fans or analysts. Glass half full and hopefully... George Payton fills that glass up. Hashtag MHH for life. Appreciate that. Yeah, guys, seriously, you know, it's easy to become apathetic when things aren't going our way, right? But it's true. These games, you know, it's finite. They're going to be gone before you know it. So enjoy them while you can. Enjoy the fact that on a Sunday you can look forward to turning on your Broncos and for three and a half hours kick back and kind of escape through football and then come back and talk about it with us and all that. You know, enjoy it while it's here. And it might not be the best form, Zach, the best product that you want to be able to to watch, but I, I concur with that. Well, my blood pressure is going to be a lot lower in the offseason. But I, I, as a football fan, I, I, I miss it because Sundays from February until September are brutal. They're the worst days of the week. So, yeah, enjoy the last three games. Hopefully the Broncos can uh, do some good things. But know that, like I said, under George Payton, with the talent he's already collected and the prospect of him picking his next head coach, the prospect of Peyton picking the next quarterback or having a say in that, that's exciting. The Broncos are on the upswing. The arrow was pointing upward. Give it one more year, and I think the process will be much different. 
All right, here we have Lando. Don't call me Calrissian Lee in the house. Good to see you, my friend. Appreciate the stars. Uh, Josh N. jumping in. Good to see you as well, Josh. He says, Locke is not it, but you could see how all the receivers were way more into it with him, uh, as were the fans, all because of some arm strength and effort. Yeah, it's not just the arm strength thing. It's that propensity. It's that natural uh, disposition, Zach, to push the envelope, which Teddy just doesn't have, man. He has to kind of be really strong-armed into it. And I don't say that to throw any shade on Ted, all right, for real. Just look at the statistic. What is it, Zach? No, Vic has the one win when trailing after halftime all-time. Teddy has zero. That's, there's there's a um, statistical distinction there, and there's a reason why. And it's because he that's just not his bag, man. He doesn't want – he wants to manage. He wants to keep things, uh, you know, buttoned up. But if everything isn't going perfect for Teddy, you know, things tend to go off the rails. Drew gives you a chance, but at the same time, and he'll get the receivers more involved and all that stuff, but at the same time, you just never know when he's just going to cough the ball up and give it to someone uh, on the other team. Teddy really wasn't playing well before the injury yesterday. He no. was inaccurate. He was erratic. He was holding the ball too long. I think you were onto something when you said that he hasn't been the same since the concussion and just not the same quarterback, even more skittish than he was, more apprehensive than he was. And Drew Locke doesn't have that. As a gunslinger, he wants to go out there and play backyard football. And when it works, it's beautiful. When it doesn't, it's pretty ugly. Um, but what do they say about the backup quarterback in the NFL? Their most popular most guy. Most popular guy in town. That even applies to Drew Locke, even in Denver. Yes, indeed. You know, I'll say this, though, for Teddy last night. He did have one dime before he got hurt, and it was that ball that Eli Apple broke up in the end zone. It was literally like the only vertical throw I can even remember Teddy making in like three weeks down the right sideline, right into Cortland's breadbasket, and Eli Apple popped the ball out, just penultimate perfect timing. You could criticize Sutton a little bit on that, like he didn't fight back to the ball at all, uh, but still, that was a dime for Teddy, so I'll give him his props on that. Uh, Sam Bam. Otherwise, it was, yeah, it was atrocious for the vast majority of the time he was quarterbacking. Sam Bam in the house with a very generous super. Thank you, buddy. Yesterday was the final straw for Fangio, Shermer, and Teddy, no doubt. 21 days till Black Monday. Yeah, I mean, they're still mathematically alive, and the optimist in me really does recoil at the notion of completely saying, oh, they're done. This That was it. They're not going to make it. As long as you got a chance, you got a chance. But we just know this team's pattern now. They'll probably win this week because that's what they do. They they win, then they lose. Then they win, then they lose. But two more wins, let's see, no. Yeah, even two. So the pattern would be two more wins, one more loss with the three games left to go. That still puts them at, that put them at nine and eight, if that's how it were to shake out, Zach. But I still don't think that'd be enough with a uber competitive AFC to get their foot in the door. Well, here's the problem. That is the pattern, but they win against bad teams. And the Vegas True. isn't a bad team. They beat True. the Broncos already. They're not a great team. They're not Kansas City or another title contender, but they're not the Lions either. So the Broncos, and this game's at Vegas too. It's not going to be an easy one by any means. And you know the Raiders are going to want to spoil the Broncos season even more and go for the sweep this year. That means a lot in the AFC West and for divisional opponents. So uh, they're going to have to come correct in this game. And I don't know that they can or will now, especially with Drew Locke under center, because regardless with Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio versus Drew Locke, in a sense, I, I don't see it materializing. Dude, Scott just reminded me Favre was traded for a first round pick. 
a second round pick who had not seen the field. Dude, who was GM in that squad? Because they deserve whatever version of like the Oscars that might exist for professional football. Man, uh, Mike Reno. In my opinion, Locke just has a problem to compartmentalize the situation. If that is possible to be fixed, he'll be a really good quarterback. Yeah, yeah. He's just, it's between the air stuff. And that's one of the reasons why I still believe it was a mistake not to just roll with him this year as your incumbent because of all the development you put into him. You needed more time. He needed more reps. He needed more uh, on-the-job training, so to speak. And I think this team... As constructed, Zach, and with the number of injuries we've seen um, unfold as the season, you know, got in got into itself, you'll probably be about the same of, as where you are now, whether it was Drew or Teddy. And with Drew, you'd have kind of, I think, gone through more of the refiner's fire to know 100% for sure without any doubts, reservations, or questions whether or not he's got a chance to be your future guy. And they believe that now, I, I think. I do believe the Broncos are like, yeah, he's not our future guy, but they don't know that. That would have allowed them to know that. It's just giving me some bad flashbacks because we were saying these same things and getting the same questions and comments about Paxton Lynch. If he can only compartmentalize and fix it between the years, he'd be a good quarterback. But unfortunately, fixing it between the years is a lot harder than fixing it with your arm or, or coaxing more arm strength or accuracy. You can, you can mask those things. You can't mask ineptitude or mental ineptitude playing the position. It's, it's tough. There's something to be said too, Zach, and I don't, I don't, I kind of cringe comparing Drew Locke to Paxton Lynch because Paxton Lynch literally delivered zero to the Denver Broncos as a first-round pick, and Drew has done some things. You know, he's he's been wildly inconsistent, but he has done some cool stuff for this team, and he's got multiple games where with three-plus touchdowns. Like Paxton Lynch can only dream of that kind of thing, but but I digress. Um, Miguel here says I like Drew a lot, but until he quits getting until he quits getting uh, fading backwards in the pocket, throwing the ball, he won't get another shot. Yeah, it's a maddening it's a maddening thing that you would expect up to this point, Zach, would be coached out of him. But I'm trying to think back. You know, last night's a hard game to kind of go off of in terms of judging him on that because there was just incessant edge pressure. Both Bobby Massey and Garrett Bowles, man, they were turnstiles. And Reisner. He was whipped yeah. badly. I mean, that's what I was going to say. Even when Locke is not fading back when he's actually staying in the pocket, pressure is getting after him. That's been a problem last couple of years now. And and when Locke comes in the game, it seems to be magnified for whatever reason. Michael in the house down in Tucson saying, good evening, Chad and Zach and Mile High Huddle. Appreciate you, bro. Also, big shout out here to Earn, Big Earn, as I like to call him. Uh, he says that Locke is the wrong quarterback. Neither is Teddy Wait, neither is hold, holds water, but go Broncos. Bridgewater. Oh, that, is that a bridge? I can't even tell, dude. Is that what that is? Neither is Bridgewater, but you're right. Yeah. Thank you for syntax translator. You're my C-3PO, bro. I well, my you. vision's not the best, so I had to, like, double check. But Big Earn, you the man. Um, okay, let's see here. Um, David Wilder saying uh, he's ready to put this game behind us. Glad Teddy's okay. Yeah, we are too, for sure. That was scary, man. You know, the the, the biggest thing um, I can remember, you know, when I was a kid, I knew the crap had hit the fan um, because I could read the look on the faces of the adults. Like if something bad was happening, you know, what would scare me more is how I could see it, you know, uh, color the, 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 the faces of the adults around me. 
and watching Teddy when he went down yesterday and the way that uh, the medical staff were attending to him, I was paying close attention to this. The, the look on their faces was very concerning. Like uh, I was worried it was going to be more than it was. So thank God that it wasn't. Wow. We have a, uh, we have a legit massive super chat from a new name. I don't recognize this name, Zach on he, super chat. He is the Canadian Mark Langley. Yes, indeed. Christopher Gaspari. Welcome to the manger homes. Thank you very much. So generous of you, my friend that helps keep the lights on here. Uh, he says, what's up Broncos country. I'd feel better comparing Locke to Favre than having Fangio compare two yards, Teddy two yards to the goat. <laughs> Hashtag state of being. That's right, baby. Broncos country, not a geographic location. <laughs> it's a state of being baby. SOB could have been in, in reference to Fangio as well. It could have been a little acronym for him, but that's it's very true. And two goats, not just Tom Brady, but also Peyton Manning. Yeah. That's who Teddy Bridgewater was compared to. It just shows you the bias and the affinity that Vic Fangio has for Teddy. I'll never understand it. Christopher, thank you, though, yeah, my friend. Thank you. Uh, connect with us on Twitter. And, and if you're already, this goes for all of you, but uh, especially our supporters and Super Chat superstars, if you're already following us, hit us in the mentions because oftentimes we don't realize it's the same person, right? Because your handle on YouTube in most cases, in fact, is always different than whatever it is on Twitter. And so if we know it's you, we will follow back. All right. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you. Um, Black Knight. Actually, Colby first, then Black Knight. I think we'll be nine and eight or eight and nine. What do you guys think our record will be? Uh, I'm going to tell you it's going to be eight and nine. I think they're going to finish with one more win, and it's this week. I think this is their one win, and uh, they'll lose to the to the Chargers and lose to the Chiefs. Zach? Oh, I can't wait for the questions Fangio would get if Locke leads the team to a, a victory over the, the Raiders, doing the one thing this year that Teddy couldn't do, and, and the quarterback that Vic Fangio went against and did everything not to play. That would be quite the scene in Denver. But, yeah, I'm going to say 8-9. and nine. They'll get one more victor. I think it's going to come against the Chargers, though, than against, against the Raiders, but... Now Broncos here. got just embarrassed the one time they played in Vegas up to this point last year. I mean, that was that and the Atlanta game were arguably Drew's two worst games as a pro for what it's worth. Uh, so, but all time, let's see, Drew is one and two against the Raiders all time. He beat him in his, his rookie year was the season finale. Lost on the road last year. Should have beat him at home last year in the finale. Came close. Yeah, came close. Should have won that game. But still ultimately lost. So here's his chance to kind of even the the slate. Um, uh, Black Knight, though. Jeremy, what's going on, big dog? Hope you're doing well. Happy uh, holidays. Merry Christmas to you. He says, so what's the deal with Judy, Jerry Judy, being traded? Um, It's not anyone's – I'm trying to remember the complete backstory, but no one is reporting that – he's going to be traded or there's no source tells me it's doing the math. You signed up the Patrick and, and uh, Sutton, you got KJ coming back. There's not enough touches to go around to feed all these guys anyway. So if you could include Jerry Judy as part of the package for an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson, that's a player that either one of those teams would probably be inclined to uh, like as part of the compensation package in a figurative potential future deal. But you have to keep the receivers around for that quarterback. Otherwise, what's the point? I don't know having Tim Patrick and Sutton's good enough and no offense and this and that, but 
Jerry Judy is really a special talent, and he was at Alabama. He can be in the NFL. Every other team that took a receiver last year are utilizing them. The Broncos don't want to get him the ball. It should never happen where he has no catches for no yards in any game. That, that's unacceptable, or rushing attempts for that matter. Uh, so I, I, I think it's more fan speculation because he hasn't been producing. That's why you're seeing the uh, Jerry Judy trade rumors. And also the fact that Peyton didn't pick Jerry Judy, so he doesn't have loyalty to him necessarily. But I think he'd want to keep that core around to attract a quarterback like a Russ or an Aaron. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, one of the things we keep hearing, especially, wow, Miguel, thank you, my friend, for those big dog, big dog stars. You're awesome. He says, hey, MHH fam, let's hit that star goal. I love it, dude. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Um, what were we just talking about? I just went, I just Judy. went blank. Judy. You know, he's definitely a guy that if you're Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, you feel better about calling Denver your next NFL home. If you know you've got Sutton and Patrick on the outside and Jerry Judy working from the slot, you're going. And Noah Fant and Albert Okawebunam, like, I got it made in the shade, bro. You take Judy from that, you still got it made in the shade. And I could see the, especially the Packers, because we don't know what's going to happen with Devontae Adams. You said it. That's exactly what I was going to say. I, I'm not making this comparison, but on a, on a very loose scale, Jerry Judy is comparable to Devontae Adams. Route running, the fact that he's a technician off the line of scrimmage, uh, his game-breaking ability, he's the closest thing the Broncos have to an Adams. And if you followed Rodgers' career in Green Bay, he loves him some, some Devontae, as he should. So I would keep him around. That's That's what I would do. All right, Fernando. Good to see you, my friend. You've been with us a long time. When you're not with us, we uh, we weep. But tonight is not that night because you're here, bro. Thank you. He says, keep up the great work, gents. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, bro. Connect on Twitter. Uh, George Fox in the hizzy saying, just wanting to say thanks to the best football pod. Thanks for your insight on the team. Very kind of you. Thank you, George. You mean a lot to us, my friend. Uh, and then here's Jelly with a super chat. Bring Kenny Pickett and Brian Dayball or Russell Wilson and Doug Peterson. Which of those two coach-quarterback combos would you gun to your head, pick one, what would it be? I don't know that I go for rookie head coach and rookie quarterback. I think that's a little too uh, I mean, extreme. Think about this, though. If it's, we've been saying all football, you know, ever since – before even this football season, we were talking about what happens if Vic can't move the needle this year and they got to start over, get that younger, even if it's not a young guy per se, but like one of the more innovative offensive minds, allow him to go pick his quarterback. What if his quarterback though was Kenny Pickett? Like, I don't know. I could get behind that. Broncos haven't drafted a first round quarterback since uh, Paxton Lynch. If you want to count him, I go more, I go farther back. Cause I don't even count Tim Tebow. I'm going to say, Jay Cutler was the last real quarterback swing this team took. Uh, that might not be very fair, but nevertheless, about time they go back to the Wells Act. Well, I, I could see a mixing and matching. So like maybe Kenny Pickett and Doug Peterson or Brian Dayball and Russell Wilson. I just don't know that Peyton would want to hitch his wagon to uh, two inexperienced head coach and, and quarterback. Just being realistic. The more I have percolated on the notion of Doug Peterson as a viable uh, retread candidate here, the more I like it, to be honest with you. Um, we'll see how it shakes out. Huero Vidal, what's going on, my friend? He says, we gave Locke uh, one pandemic and injury-ridden season with an offense full of rookies and a useless ancient artifact at coordinator. 
then gave up on him. I know, bro. It was frustrating. Here, here's the problem, though. As, as frustrating as that was and is to this day, Drew Locke was given the opportunity to lock down one of the most elite jobs in the world, one of 32 starting quarterbacks in the league. And in year two, even though those conditions were not favorable in many ways from the injuries act to the no practice to the new system he had to learn and the not great coordinator, all that stuff. All right. You got to go out there and leave no doubt. And Drew was unable to do that. And I get all the factors where what you're saying about not getting the help, you know, to do that, but putting the onus where it ultimately belongs on Drew himself. He had control over how that was going to go for him. And he just wasn't able to take that bull by the horns. It's, it happens, you know, and, and that's why sometimes a player, especially a quarterback, need to cha- change the scenery, literally and figuratively. Just a new environment, new coaching staff, new system, and hopefully he'll make do at the next go-around. Wow, we got the Duchess dropping some bombs, top rope style. Thank you, Michaela. Love you so much. She wants to know, Zach, this is in your wheelhouse. What about a Kellen Moore and Russell Wilson combo? Um, I think that would be good. Obviously. I mean, you're, you have a bright mind as the head coach and play caller, and he would have stability with having a, um, an experienced veteran quarterback, but you'd have to be willing to give up the compensation for him. So it goes back to the same question. Do you think George Payton would do that to begin with multiple first round picks taking on the contract, maybe a player involved in the deal and then hiring a rookie head coach on top of that? I would like it. I, you know, so that's, that's, I would be for that, but I'm thinking in terms of how Peyton would think. Right. Listen, I think Russell Wilson attached to any offensive minded head coach could be really special. And I like Kellen Moore. I like Kellen Moore as a candidate um, a lot. You know, he's on, he's on the short list for me, but imagine, you know, Russ has been playing. He was gifted with a great kind of coaching scenario for a lot of the years that he was in Seattle. But his head coach was a defensive-minded guy. Pete Carroll's always been defense. So I'd be very curious to see him in a Zach Taylor kind of situation where it's a younger, up-and-coming guy, at head coach, and his wheelhouse is offense and caters that to Russ, and the whole team kind of is catered to, to that Russell Wilson in this offense thing. I think it could be really, really exciting. Zach, Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, if you could just – Will it like a little genie? Uh, Will Smith pops out of a little lamp and he's blue and he's the Aladdin remake live action. And he says, Zach, you can have either Russ Wilson, Aaron Rodgers in Denver next year. Choose wisely. What would you choose? I, I, I tried really hard not to like him, but I just, I like the guy, Aaron. I, I just, his kind of no BS, I don't really give an F attitude, and just the way he, he treats the media, and the way he approaches the game as well. I, he loves football, he puts his all into it, and if you watch the highlights, I watched the Baltimore Packers highlights yesterday, he's making throws like he was 25 years old again. He still has a lot left in the tank. I don't like giving up the compensation for a 38-year-old quarterback, 39, whatever he's going to be, but... That's still a future Hall of Fame quarterback that you can coax a few high-end years out of. So Russell and Sierra, I'd be worried about them coming and and focusing on the the off-the-field stuff. That's why I think he's a better fit for Chicago or New York. 
Aaron, though, he has a fiance, whatever, from Colorado. He seems like a Colorado kind of guy. Still at the top of his game. That's my guy if I'm going to make that trade. I do respect the rebel that he's kind of become in many ways as far as just going against the NFL grain. I don't know if it's my, my you know, the punk rocker in me, the anti-establishment cat that, that is deep inside, but I do respect that. Colby says, I'm glad he's okay, uh, but he should retire. Talking about Teddy, take your money and run. CTE is scary as heck. Yes, it is. Yes, it is, brother. Albert Knoppers jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, don't forget to sign up to become a uh, Facebook supporter. Get the membership. It's really worth the money because all of the extra content, Kelberman's Corner, The Trickle Zone, and Chad's Book Club, a.k.a. Broncos Book Club. Appreciate that, bro. If you want to become a supporter and get access to that VIP premium podcast content, it's only for Facebook supporters for now. Go to our Facebook page at Mile High Huddle. Big blue button at the top. You're in like Flynn. Marcus Lewis Henna. From the UK, he says, hey, guys, respect from the UK. Sad about Sunday, but go Broncos for life. Appreciate that, bro. We've had how many, two or three of our Super Chat supporters and whatnot tonight? Not even in the United States. State of being, baby. And by the way, Zach, while we're on this note real quick that he's saying sad, it just made me realize this. Today, Demarius Thomas' funeral. Everyone was gathered in Georgia to uh, celebrate the life of Demarius Thomas. So RIP to one of the greats and hearing some of the, um, some of the not talking points, but just remarks of his friends and former players that have kind of leaked out of that, you know, it just makes the tragedy just hit hammers at home all the more, but RIP Demarius. It's still stunning to me. The fact that we're saying that is still shocking to me. Uh, I want to give some credit, though, to the Broncos for making that happen. They got like 45 people out there to his uh, celebration. And right now with the enhancements and the CV world, Chad, and the lockdowns and mandates and this and that protocols, they went above and beyond to honor Demarius. And I do give Denver uh, props for that. We know Timmy P. and Cortland were there. Um, I'm not sure if any other current Broncos were there, but they were teammates of his. He mentored them before he got traded uh, in uh, 2018. He tra- he mentored both the – well, Sutton was a rookie. Timmy P. I think, was a first-year player, but it was his first year on an active roster. Like, he made the 53 out of camp. And so he was under they, – they were both under DT's wing. And Emmanuel Sanders, but DT was more of the – you know, had their best interest in mind type guy. <laughs> Sanders was definitely yeah. not that guy. He it's was like, party. you're trying to come at me here and take my job. But um, so, yeah, you, your heart goes out to to his friends, his former teammates, his mother, his all his family, his sister. It's just such a tragedy. Champ was there, Champ Bailey, yep. and he said he was the best teammate, teammate I ever had. And that's such high praise coming from uh, Bailey. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely sad. It really is. I mean, Bailey – had some freaking studs over the years. I mean, John Lynch, uh, Jake Plummer, who has always been known as a beloved team guy. Like all of his teammates always loved Jake Plummer. Peyton Manning, I mean, Champ Bailey. So that is that is uh, high praise. Uh, Colby says, I heard more on rumors on the radio today. Peyton and a group buying the Broncos. I hope that's real. That would be cool. We shall see, my friend. We touched on that earlier in the show, but we shall see. Um. Okay, we are at 49, 50 minutes here, Zach. So we got to start winding her down. Um, are we let me let me skip to the bottom here, make sure we don't leave anyone out in the cold. Brandon S. 
another newer name. What's going on, Big Dog? He says, Denver hasn't taken a quarterback in the top 10 of the draft since Elway. Well, they didn't draft Elway, and it wasn't 79, my friend. That was 83. But I get your point. At what point do they quit being scared to take a chance? Because it's been 30 years. I know, man. Dude, we've been hammering on that since 2018. We wanted the Broncos, Zach and I, to go back to the well and partake in that quarterback class 2018. Uh, but they only had eyes for two of the guys, and that was Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. And yet they still could have got Josh Allen. They still could have got Lamar. Uh, but they didn't. And each and every year, they really – I mean, you could – Drew was a high-round guy, but he wasn't a first-round pick. That's a, It's just a different thing. Let me tell you why. John Elway, as the guy at the top, because of 2015, because of the way the Broncos won that Super Bowl with Peyton Manning basically at 50% mast, was he convinced himself that they had the horses, that they were one middle-of-the-road quarterback away from winning it all again. So instead of using that first-round pick, Zach, on a quarterback, we're just going to keep stocking the cupboards because Case Keenum will get us there. And then, no, Joe Flacco will get us there. And then Teddy Bridgewater is more of the same type of thinking and wow. I think that's one of those things, Zach, where George Payton, he's complicit in allowing it to happen, but it's kind of him letting that demon get exercised, letting it be hammered home that this philosophy is not one you can hang your hat on in the NFL. I just saw uh, Christie's donation, and it's just, it just it stuns me how generous she is. But uh, I wanted to say real quick, the only thing that's positive, if, you, if you're hoping the Broncos go back to that well, there was a theory that Elway was gun-shy after Osweiler, after Paxson Lynch, and he wouldn't want to gamble on a quarterback. That's why, like you just laid out, he went for veteran holdover bridge guys, no pun intended. Peyton's not going to have that same affliction. I think he'll go all in for the quarterback he wants. It kind of ties into my second point. No matter if it's a number one overall, number 32 overall, number 142 overall, if you think that's your guy, if you have enough conviction, pull the trigger. Run that draft card up. So that's what I want to see. It doesn't matter who's in the top 10. It doesn't matter where they're picking. If they think that's the guy to lead them for the next decade, so be it. Take him. Christy, so Thank sweet you. of you. Thank you, my friend. We love you. Very symbolic. $88 super chat for uh, in honor of DT. Appreciate that so much. Um, love you, Christy. Thank you. We got Ron Dub, who we got to kick it with back in uh, October. Was it October? It was October. Yeah. Or no, it was September. End of September. I'm tripping. He came all the way from Georgia to kick it with us and go to the game, and that was a lot of fun. Hope you've been well, my friend. Happy holidays. He says, hey, guys, long time. If you were George Payton, would you draft your own cue or try to get a vet like Rodgers or Wilson? What would help us more long term? You know, long term, it's you can make an argument for Wilson because he's only 33, but if it's about long term, draft problem is you know no one likes this draft class for quarterbacks so i would try and find to kind of split the difference here zach i would still go all in on either rogers or wilson try and get one of them here and knowing that you know what my first two years i've got one of these guys i'm not going to have a first round pick to uh spend on a quarterback but after that it's got to be high priority to use one of those picks on the guy to succeed who whoever i land 
Well, you have to figure where Peyton came from. That would be Minnesota. And in his 10 years there, they only used two first-round picks on quarterbacks. That's Christian Ponder and Teddy Bridgewater. Their current quarterback they signed as a, I guess, a holdover in Kirk Cousins. He He's a veteran guy. So if he leans on that with what he had with Rick Spielman, I think he might go after the veteran. That might be his first inclination is to make a play for Russ or make a play for Aaron. If that doesn't work, you still have the draft in April. You can get your guy in the top 10, top 15, wherever. That's where I would go with that. It's time the Broncos not take on everyone else's veterans, everyone else's uh, used up talent. Make your own talent. Develop your own talent. You know, Build up your own guy and have him for... 10, 12, hopefully 15 years. That's the right way to go, but we'll see. By the way, I got to throw this out to the community. Do you want a Mile High Huddle live podcast the night of Christmas, Saturday night? Let us know. We'll put a poll out in the community on YouTube, and you guys let us know if you want a podcast. Huero jumping in again. Thank you, buddy. Even though he sucks at head coach, what happens to the defense after Fangio is fired? Also, it doesn't look like any Broncos are making the Pro Bowl. Shake my head. Yeah, no one really transcendent this year, you know, on exactly. either side of the ball. I mean, I think there's a strong argument for Justin Simmons. I mean, he de- I think he does deserve to be started off slow, but he's really for the better part of the season, he's been elite safety. Five picks. It would be to me a little bit of a disgrace if his peers don't vote him into the Pro Bowl, but aside from him, Zach, who has a bona fide lockdown open and shut case for the Pro Bowl? Like name me one guy. Javante's been too much of a drip feed. You know, he need, if you would have given him the lion's share out of the gates, I can promise you he'd already be – he'd yeah. be one of those guys making the Pro Bowl this year. Next year he will make the Pro Bowl. That's a promise. But who else deserves it, honestly? PS2 came to mind, but he might be a little too green. I mean, I don't think he has the stats to back it up. It's tough to break it in the AF. That was my comment about Simmons. He, I don't think he has the name recognition like a Tyron Matthew or even a Kevin Byard at safety – uh, in this conference, I was going to say Sertan, but Kareem Jackson was leading the safety list a couple weeks ago. I don't understand that asinine. at Asinine. Completely asinine. Um, but Sertan, look, he's got four picks on the year. He's deserving of some, definitely. Like, I think Sertan is a candidate. Alternate. Like, he's a Pro Bowl caliber guy as a rookie. Next year, I think he's going to be open and shut uh, Pro Bowler. Um, alternate guy this year. Just on the verge, you know, just yeah. needed – like I told you when he had that two-pick game, I told you people were asking us, hey, is this how, – how how does he, you know, eclipse Micah Parsons for defensive rookie of the year? And I told you he needs at least two more games like that one, similar to that, where it's not just an interception but like big highlight type play where he returns it to the house or whatever. you got to stay front of brain, especially not just for the fans, Zach, but it's – the peers in the NFL, man, like the, it's the coaches and players that make up two-thirds of the Pro Bowl vote. Marcus, appreciate you. One thing we didn't touch on yesterday was the touchdown that Burrow had, the long one. Simmons really takes some terrible angles sometimes. What was he doing defensing that pass? He, he was getting spun around. It reminded me of the Sam Darnold run against the Jets. Uh, was it last year or two uh, years ago? Two years ago. I mean, sometimes, like, he's a good safety and all. I don't think he's the best safety in the NFL, but he just takes some really bad angles. No, it was last year. It was the rip and start. My bad. Yeah. Point still stands. Guys, we got to dip on out of here. Love you. Appreciate you. We're off tomorrow. You know the drill. But, Zach, if you want to do that rundown, I'll pull up our our shout-outs on Facebook. 
Yeah, that was the Huddle Up podcast, guys. We'll be back on Wednesday evening to get you ready for the Broncos Week 16 contest against the Las Vegas Raiders and turn the page on the Bengals loss. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. Follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. Follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. If you haven't, go to HuddleUpPod.com right now and get yourself a comfortable, nice, stylish hat. Get yourself a coffee cup, beanie, a lot of things in that store. Your one-stop shop at HuddleUpPod.com. And if you haven't, Facebook.com slash Huddle. Albert Knoppers brought it up earlier, but we have three exclusive shows each and every week. Kelberman's Corner, Broncos Book Club, and Trickle Zone, five bucks a month. Worth every penny, I promise you that. Also, Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod. Like that page and follow that page. And if you haven't already, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every month. But if you can't do those things, do these three things. Subscribe, like, and share this video. And every video you see on the MHH channel helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. That it does. Appreciate you guys. Here is a shout-out to our great Facebook supporters tonight. Michael Ronquillo at the very top. Love seeing that, bro. Uh, Miguel, right behind him. Tim Hoffman, some mad love there. Doug Raquel, Colby C. Collier, Andrew Baker, Marcus Lewis Henna, George Fox, Lando, don't call me Calrissian Lee, Mike Reno, Steve Lazuski, and Dave Glassman. Much love and respect to each and every one of you. Mile high salute to all of our Super Chat superstars. You guys who support this, these shows nightly, you're the reason we're able to keep doing this, keep the lights on, and even contemplate doing a podcast on Christmas. So love you guys. Appreciate you. Take care, and as always, guys, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. <laughs>